Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast, here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. Uh, this is episode 64 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, the Otto Leskinen edition. Uh, <laughs> and I'm pleased to be joined by the Otto Leskinen to my Greg Patteron, uh, Mr. Rick Stevens. And Rick, I, I hope you've had a, a Merry Christmas and a, and a Happy Holiday season. Uh, how is it going today? Uh, indeed, I did. And uh, it was good to... Um get away from, from hockey, good to get away from social media and, and uh, uh, really enjoy uh, family and friends. And, and it was, uh, yeah, wonderful holidays. Happy holidays to all of our listeners. And, and it's, uh, if you're a hockey fan, it's an absolutely fabulous uh, time of the year with uh, uh, the, the NHL getting back and starting its uh, next push. And, and, and the next big event is going to be uh, looking towards the trade deadline and, and uh, uh, of course, the World Juniors. And we're going to talk a little about all of that. But um, uh, we're just happy to have and, and, and very grateful to have uh, so many listeners and uh, so many followers uh, uh, to, uh, to, to discuss all these important events with. Um, so um, I hope you had a, a happy holiday and, and, uh, uh, and uh, Merry Christmas as well. Yes, uh, thank you, and, and yes, extending all of those uh, well wishes to our lovely listeners who uh, are following along. And, and of course, I mean, if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, the Montreal Canadiens give you a lot of reason to be happy heading into the holiday break. <laughs> you know, a successful trip out west, and they, they get six out of a possible eight points. And, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a great start to a, a road trip that's going to continue past the new year. But, I mean to win the way that they did against the Winnipeg Jets, uh, six to two. And, 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 you know, even though they lost four to three to the Edmonton Oilers, I mean, it, it kind of felt like the Oilers might've been due for a win there. And they've been reeling even after the fact, even after that win against the Canadians, they've, they've had their struggles, but regardless, heading into the holiday season, the Montreal Canadians rattle off three wins in four games out West so Montreal Canadiens fans were probably feeling pretty good over the over Christmas and 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 certainly now I mean as the World Juniors are underway there's there's a lot of excitement it's always exciting this time of year and and when that calendar flips over to January that's when the the real work begins for the Montreal Canadiens because I mean I, I think we've talked about on this podcast going back into early this season that this stretch from October to December there there might be things that you figure out about this team but a lot of it is going to have to be found out January into April. And that's when teams really, I mean, you look at the, everyone points at the St. Louis blues last year. That's when they started their, their ascendancy. So very exciting time of year. And as, as Rick said, glad to have you along here with us. And as Rick said, there's a lot to talk about today and we're going to get to the Montreal Canadiens Western road trip the world juniors. And we have the question of the week that we threw out on Twitter and Facebook on the all Habs fan page, which is simply as, as we approach, you know, this is the end of the decade. Now, 
what was the most memorable Habs moment of the decade? And uh, you can reply on Twitter, on Facebook, or you can call in. There's a live show, uh, 213-943-3754, or you can uh, text if you're listening on demand at 585-3ROCKET. So, Rick, let's get started with the Western Road Trip, because we pointed at this stretch of games as being a time where we were going to find out a lot about the Montreal Canadiens. This, is going, this was going to be a difficult stretch, and remember back to the end of November, they did not look good at home in winnable games, but they head out on the road, and you know what? Max Domi scored that highlight real goal against the Edmonton Oilers, and it looked like they could go, you know, a perfect three for three against, you know, uh, Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton. And though they don't, they bounce back with a resounding six to two win over the Winnipeg Jets. So I mean, there's been a lot to like heading into uh, the Christmas break for the Montreal Canadiens. Absolutely. Um, they are, you know, and, and um, a, a prediction that we made uh, just prior to the season starting was that it was going to be up and down and a roller coaster season. And we, we couldn't have pegged that more accurately um, because, and, and in an unexpected way, because as you said, the, the soft schedule in November where uh, we were, saying the Canadians were going to have to <laughs> stockpile points. Uh, they did not. Um, and the really difficult schedule in um, uh, in December where they might have wilted, uh, they have not done that either. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, there's been some questions about their, their play at the Bell Centre, but certainly no question about their, their road play. And, um, you know, we saw that, that uh, the Montreal Canadiens, in order to get there, in order to make up for that defense, have had to kind of adjust that system that uh, Claude Julien and his coaching staff developed over the summer. Uh, they kind of went back to the, the, against a very speedy Edmonton team. They kind of went back to that old system, uh, play a speed game, and uh, you saw some uh, bad decisions, some bad penalties, and those odd man rushes, uh, 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 be be come to life again uh, that we're plaguing them in in November, but uh, then went into Winnipeg and and uh, uh, against a, a a heavy team you'd call it um, were able to complete uh, compete played a physical game the the Jets played a, a horrible game probably their worst game of of the year but uh, yeah uh, and Paul Maurice said that uh, when asked what was to learn of that game said absolutely nothing. We're never going to talk about it again. Uh, we're not <laughs> going to do any video. We're not going to do anything. Uh, but the Canadians, when they, when they face a team in that situation, have to take advantage. And they certainly did. And, uh, and so really went into the break, the Christmas break on a, on a high. Um, I, and now have uh, a little bit of a, a tough test uh, to uh, to finish uh, this road trip uh, before the calendar year's out. And uh, I think, as I mentioned in my, my game recap, the only thing I'd, I'd kind of advise is is uh, that they set their alarm clock uh, maybe a half an hour yeah. earlier uh, <laughs> because getting down early um, has, has meant they've had to, to fight back, clawed back, which they've done for the most part. Uh, they've done, but it would be so much easier to... Uh, uh, play with uh, play with a lead, and I mean, 
there there have been performances on this Western road trip. Uh, you know, Max Domi comes to mind. He's come to life after a very rocky start to the season. It's it's seeming it's starting to look like he is finding some of his form from last year. Nick Suzuki, my God, that pass on the power play against the Winnipeg Jets. He can do things that nobody else on this team can. And it's just, you, you want to see more opportunities for him and maybe just scale back the power play time for Jordan wheel just a little bit. If you know, maybe altogether, uh, but <laughs> you know, you want to see more opportunities for a guy like Nick Suzuki, because every time he gets one, he does something remarkable. And then of course, as you say, it's not a great plan to get down in games, but when you have Carey price, who is going to keep you afloat in a lot of 90% of the time you get down to nothing. It feels like Carey Price, he'll keep you afloat if you, if you want to go back and if you have any interest in being in this game, he'll keep you around in it. And that's why, I mean, you can afford to do that a couple of times, but it's starting to become a habit and you, you really want to get that cleaned up. So maybe setting the alarm clocks just a little bit earlier would be a good idea. But well, um, that uh, yeah, that kind of leads into even tonight's game because well, you mentioned Carey Price first. He's been outstanding throughout December. Um, his save percentage there for uh, for much of the of December was in the 940 range, and and he's been outstanding in in every game and and even against the uh, the Jets. Um, the Jets dominated from the um, uh, from the outset, and the, and it was Carey Price who held the fort. And allowed the uh, the Canadians to to uh, pick it up. You you mentioned uh, uh, Max Domi. Um, he kind of got called out. Uh, um, Mark Bergevin's press conference. Uh, he was called out by the general manager, and and he's been better since then. Uh, you mentioned Suzuki, um, and uh, uh, Arturi Lekkinen has also been on a bit of a point streak uh, for the last five games. Those three players, Lekkinen, Domi, and Suzuki, will be playing together. Uh, and we know, remember uh, that they looked good earlier in the season. They'll be playing together uh, tonight, and maybe we'll talk about that more as we uh, uh, prep the game. Um, the Canadians game with Kakinyemi coming back into the lineup, it bumps uh, Suzuki up to the second line and, and uh, look for big things from uh, that trio uh, tonight. And we'll, we'll talk about some of the injury situation in just a little bit, but I also wanted to talk about a concern that, that has seemingly uh, been present all year long. And that is, it's just kind of been that the Montreal Canadiens have a bit of a habit of, of taking an untimely penalty. And, you know, they're all untimely if you can't kill them. But I mean, Nick Cousins, I mean, you remember back to that game against the Boston Bruins uh, in Boston where he just took a penalty and it, and it was the, it was, you know, one that Claude Julian disagreed with, but it was a penalty, and it was in the offensive zone. And in that game against the Edmonton Oilers, we saw a penalty from Nick Cousins. We saw a penalty from Jordan Wheel. And, you know, Tomas Tatar has been sort of the uh, poster boy for up-and-down play, and he's taken there's, – there's been games where he's taken a boatload of penalties. So, I mean, obviously the bigger concern would be that Montreal is having trouble killing penalties, but also you, at some point you're going to have to be a little bit more disciplined and, and a little bit smarter about it. Montreal Canadiens are still um, uh, in the bottom five of, of the league in terms of penalty kills, uh, presently 27th, just a 75% uh, uh, proficiency rate as far as killing penalties. Um, and, and yes, so that means 
can't be taking bad penalties. Uh, Claude Julien talked about that, uh, particularly in the Edmonton game, taking penalties uh, in the offensive zone, uh, taking penalties at bad times. It's, it's uh uh, something that they um, that that uh, and and this you know it comes from from uh, where their the defense is exposed weaknesses on on defense particularly in the penalty kill and um, you you just can't have undisciplined penalties whether they be uh, players like you mentioned or some bench miners or it's it's been it's been a it's been an issue that. Uh, Claude Julian said was on his to-do list to fix, and he hasn't quite uh, got that done just yet. Yeah. Um, so, so, so moving on here, because you mentioned that Jesperi Kotkaniemi would be returning tonight. Well, <laughs> that would be great if Yoel Armia didn't get injured last game against the Winnipeg Jets, against his uh, against his former team, the Winnipeg Jets. It's just been bad break after bad break for the Montreal Canadiens and, and or Armia is being described as being week to week with a hand injury and you just sort of add him to the pile and move on. Fortunately, if you can say that, um, you mentioned that Nick Suzuki would be getting, would be given an opportunity because of that. Obviously this is not the fashion that you want to see him get an opportunity, but bumping him up after his play in the third line, could be a good thing for the Montreal Canadiens, but Armia has just been, I mean, and I talked about him a couple of weeks ago. Um, the the play of Armia this year has been an absolute rev- revelation. After losing Andrew Shaw and thinking, well, that that's, you know, it, it's the cap hit that you want to move away. But at the same time, the production that he provided for you last year uh, was he had a career high season. Where are you going to find that production? And Armia was providing it in, in spades. So this is just another tough loss for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, the, with the injury situation, you have uh, Jonathan Duran out um, uh, a few more weeks, um, uh, as far as we know. Uh, Paul Byron, it was looking good there, but he is also uh, week to week. But um, of the three, uh, Joel Armia, is, uh, he has been the most impactful uh, player of the three this season. And he's uh, that that's going to hurt the Canadians uh, somewhat. He, as you said, a hand injury looked like he got a stick on the forearm from um, Nathan Beaulieu in that game against the Jets. Our old friend Nathan Beaulieu, yeah. and uh, <laughs> um, and uh, it's unknown at this point, as you described it, week to week uh, when he'll be back. But that's that's that could be a significant blow because of the. Uh, the multifaceted role that that he plays yes. uh, uh, and his ability to to protect the puck and and uh, and be a physical physical force out there. Yeah, and Montreal doesn't have a whole lot of guys that can do what what Joel Armia can do. Uh, luckily, I mean you're getting back a big body tonight with Jesperi Kotkaniemi, but there's going to have to be a bit of a you have to imagine there's going to be a little bit of a of a of a process for him to get back to being comfortable out there. Um, but but moving on, um, it was an interesting night. Last week we talked about the Laval Rocket in in in, in depth, but last night was a very interesting night at Plasbell, uh, specifically for Keith Kincaid, who allowed three goals in the span of a minute, and uh, was given, as you you know, as is custom in Montreal, some mock cheers, some uh, cheers of derision, 
And uh, Dale Weiss didn't take very kindly to those after the game, but I mean, it's, it hasn't been a very good stretch for Keith Kincaid and, and Caden Primo going to be getting the start this afternoon for the Rocket in, in a rematch against the Marlies. But it's sort of, and we, and we talked about the, the struggles that Caden Primo's had as well. So goaltending is, uh, at the, in, the, in the AHL at the very least, has been a little bit rocky as of late, has it not? It has, and it was a, a, a tough stretch for uh, Keith Kincaid, who can't put the entire blame on him def- defensively. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they didn't look good, but but there was yeah there was uh, uh, soft goals in there, as you said, three goals in in under a minute allowed by Kincaid, um, and he left the game uh, after uh, the second period. Primo came in to. Um, uh, stopped the bleeding, I guess, um, in the, um, in the third period, but, uh, it was too late in the Marlies, uh, the Marlies won, as you said, uh, 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 not happy. Certainly Joel Bouchard was not happy with the fans giving the mock cheer to, to Kincaid. Um, but I'm, there's, there's a big frustration, um, not only with, uh, Laval fans, but with, um, you know, Canadians fans uh, as a whole, um, you know, Price, after Price, uh, who's been, as we said, sensational in December, uh, there's some concerns. And and uh, Caden Primo, who got a, a, a quick taste of, of the NHL, uh, he had been struggling uh, in the AHL before the call-up, struggling since, um, as you said, gets another start to kind of redeem himself uh, today uh, struggled in, in six of his last seven starts in those six starts. He's given up 29 goals, 4.83 goals against he's struggling. Um, and uh, um, Keith Kincaid, obviously uh, struggling. Um, his save percentage is just 874 uh, since going down to uh, the AHL. And yet on the other hand, you have Charlie Lindgren, um, of of Lindgren, of Primo, of Kincaid. Uh, Lindgren has uh, the best goals against of the three Laval netminers. Uh, he's not had a bad game this season. He's been very good. He's patiently waiting for his chance uh, uh, on this road trip, uh, if there is to be a chance. Um, yeah. You have, <laughs> excuse me, you have Michael McNiven, who we've talked about before, has been <laughs> bounced around a bit. Um, yeah. in the ECHL uh, Adirondack to the Jacksonville Iceman. Um, he's having at, yeah, at the ECHL level a great season. Um, 931 save percentage. He has three shutouts this season. 219 goals against. Um, so Lindgren and, and McNiven are um, let's say the, the, the best uh, goalies beyond um, this season, having the best season beyond uh, Carey Price, uh, yet they're the ones not getting the opportunity in Lavelle. And, of course, the, the often forgotten um, other goalie who's on contract, oddly enough, is, is Connor Lacouvet in Maine. Um, but um, the goaltending situation is, is rough. Hopefully, Caden Primo, as, as Joel Bouchard says, has a lot of work to do. Uh, and hopefully he just stays put, stays in, in Laval and works through things. Keith Kincaid is, uh, my goodness, he's, uh, he's, he just seems out of sorts and uh, perhaps not happy with, uh, with being back in the AHL. 
but uh, there's a lot of hockey to be played, and uh, the Canadians are going to need a, a steady backup uh, for Carey Price uh, in the, the run to the playoffs. Yeah, there's a lot of hockey to be played, and Carey Price can't play all of it. So <laughs> someone's going to need <laughs> to emerge right. as somebody that Claude Julien can trust in that backup role. And uh, with a $1.7 million contract, we thought that was going to be Keith Kincaid, and it doesn't appear to be the case. Um, But moving on, uh, because as I said, with the question of the week, we're approaching the end of the decade. We're going to talk about our favorite moments of the past decade. And this comes from a great article from our friend Caitlin over at All Habs, doesn't it, Rick? Yeah, she, um, Caitlin is, uh, is, is a wonderful writer and, and um, has been with us, uh, with the team for uh, a, a long period of time. And uh, um, she likes to write uh, articles from a fan's perspective. And uh, normally at this time of the year, she does a, kind of a year in review of the calendar year uh, that's gone past for the, the Montreal Canadiens. And she approached me um, a few weeks back and said, you know what, I'd, I'd really like to look at uh, what's happened uh, this decade because we all forget. And she's, uh, she's written uh, uh, about a 3,800-word um, yeah. article <laughs> um, uh, chronicling um, uh, not only the best moments, but all the moments, I guess you'd say. Uh, she's done a season-by-season review uh, of of uh, each of the years uh, of the decade, and uh, it's worth the read. So head to allhabs.net and uh, and go through. You'll be surprised what you've forgotten um, and, yeah. uh, what's happened this past decade. Uh, it's uh, it's a delightful read, and uh, and it'll get you. Uh, it, it's nice over the holidays to kind of get caught up and and uh, listen to our podcasts, read uh, read some of these articles, and and her article. Uh, chronicling the the events of the past decade uh, is, is really a, a worthwhile read. Yeah, so we thought in the spirit of that, we would share our favorite moments from the past decade. And there's so much to choose from. And, and obviously, I think for the Montreal Canadiens, 2010, the run to the Eastern Conference Finals, 2014, the run to the Eastern Conference Finals, you could easily pick those two playoff runs. And there are moments scattered about those playoff runs that that could very easily have been the the ones that I chose. I mean, the Boston Bruins, that series, the last playoff series the Canadians have won of consequence, no offense to the 2015 Ottawa Senators, but the 2014 Boston Bruins series was a lot of fun. But I'm I'm going to stick with that year and I've I've picked out two moments. One I'm going to talk about a lot. The other one is is my runner up, but is also a very special moment for me. But I'm going to talk about the 2014 Olympics a little bit here because I remember and and leading up to the 2014 Olympics, there was a lot of excitement because remember the NHL players used to play in them. That was fun. Um, (laughs) But uh, you know, there's, there's always a bit of a concern I think about who's going to be the goaltender because you can look at team Canada up and down you say, okay, well they have Sidney Crosby. They have, uh, you know, Shea Weber on the back end. Like they're going to be fine in, in those spots, but goaltending you had a 34 returnee in, in Roberto Luongo, a 34-year-old returnee in Roberto Luongo, who it didn't seem like it was going to be his time to shine again. And an in-steps 26-year-old Carey Price, who, let's not forget, I mean, 2013 happens in, in the playoffs against the Ottawa Senators, and, and there was legit conversation, uh, more so, in, in, I think, is from, from Ottawa Senators fans who, who believe that 
Carey Price wasn't somebody that could be trusted in big moments. And even maybe some within the Montreal Canadiens fan base as well, as somebody that maybe wasn't a clutch performer. And he proved everybody wrong in 2014 when he stepped up there. And, and he honestly didn't give Mike Babcock or anybody else any reason to take that spot away from him when he got in between the pipes. He was a perfect 5-0, and made 103 saves on 106 shots. And, and this was honestly, it was, it was vindication in a sense because of the, the, that, that talk, that conversation that existed about Carey Price and his ability to perform in clutch moments. And it was just, you, you know, you remember that game against Latvia and there, there's this notion and this belief sometimes that, the Montreal, that, that Team Canada can get mediocre goaltending and still compete for a medal. I think that 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 the 2014 Olympics showed that not to be the case because we remember the game against Latvia where Canada could only muster two goals on 57 shots against Christos Gulleskis and Carey Price probably forgot what a puck felt like because he only faced 16 shots and he stayed mentally sharp. He was there. He was ready to make a save when he was called upon and he did his job. And then he followed that up with back-to-back shutouts against USA, a one nothing win only one goal that, that the Canadians provided him. And then they win gold against Sweden. And, and obviously then they, they got a little bit of a little bit more goal support for Carey Price, but he was just phenomenal in those Olympics. And, and that served for me. And, and 2014 was such a, a, a fun year for me as a sports fan and, and Carey Price winning Olympic gold. That was just, that was just icing on the cake. It was just, it was a great, a great time and and it was so fun to wake up at about i don't know seven o'clock in the morning and watch carrie price play for gold medal uh, a gold medal in the olympics it was just insane and the other moment that i want to talk about happened at the end of the year in december which was the canadians honoring zaku koivu that night that was just and we just saw him we talked about him on this podcast just a couple of weeks ago uh, and and obviously back on december the third when they had the captain's night he received that huge ovation but going back five years, or, or whatever it's been, it's going back to uh, 2014, yeah, five years, they had that night for him where he was honored. He was out there at center ice thanking the fans and, and Carey Price saying what, what Zaku Koivu meant to him, Andre Markov, same thing. It, it was just a great night. And, and for me, those are the two moments of, of the decade that beyond the Eastern Conference Finals appearances, beyond any playoff moments, those are the two things that really have stuck out in my mind uh, looking back on the decade. And it's interesting. Those are great moments. And, and uh, rem- I remember them fondly as well. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned um, uh, two uh, Montreal Canadians who uh, absolutely uh, deserve to have their uh, jerseys up in the rafters of, of the Bell Centers. Uh, Carey Price, once uh, he hangs up the skates, um, uh, but you know, from a fan perspective, uh, the, the question mark is always, well, yeah, they don't have a Stanley cup, uh, but, but, uh, how silly that argument has become over, over the last, uh, few years, uh, given, uh, it, it was one thing when, when it was kind of routine for the Canadians to, um, win the Stanley cup, but, but, uh, kind of meaningless now, given that it's, it's been since 93 and, and you, you, you talk about Carey Price, um, that best on best tournament, the Olympic gold, 
how he 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 was the the rock of that team. Uh, Babcock mentioned it uh, afterwards uh, that that they relied on on Carey Price, and and there should be no question that um, he he is capable of of uh, 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 being that that cornerstone for the team um, in in a championship. Uh, 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 contest and uh, um, I think of of Carey Price um, um, uh, and and a, a quite a memorable moment uh, earlier this year actually it was just in March um, he's he's he set so many of the uh, Canadians franchise marks for for goaltending it's almost become routine but but I think the biggest one um, uh, or the most important one for me was when he passed Jock Plant uh, to set the Canadians win mark at 315. And, and uh, of course he's gone on from there. Um, but it was against the Red Wings and, uh, and it was, um, he still had to make some outstanding. The, the Canadians kind of said, okay, this is your game. This is your game to, um, to uh, set your mark. So, have at it, go ahead and kind of abandon him um, in the game. He made some outstanding saves in that game and was actually a, a, a very proud moment for him afterwards. Uh, as we saw, uh, you know, uh, a, a rare smile um, uh, when he was interviewed afterwards and then was presented with that uh, gold stick for uh, 315 wins uh, the, the following home game. So, that was that is that is huge and 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 maybe because uh you know the canadians were uh embroiled in a in the playoffs it wasn't it wasn't something that um was focused on then but i think will be looked uh, back on uh as as a great achievement for for carry price whatever his win totals become um I think though that that for me um there's there's been a lot of memorable moments there's been a lot of exciting exciting moments and I've been in the Bell Center when the uh, during playoffs and, and fortunately and and uh you know at at uh, when a new season's opening there's always um you know hope and there's always excitement but I have never I have never in the past decade uh felt more hope and more excitement um, then on June 22nd of 2012. And uh, just to kind of set the scene for you, because, you know, lots has happened since then. Um, the Canadians had just um, got a new general manager. And, and uh, with him, there was, he was a young, uh, inexperienced general manager. He had a mission. Um, he, there was a lot of hope, a lot of talk surrounding him. Um and uh, uh, the the draft, uh, the 2012 uh, NHL entry draft, was in Pittsburgh. And uh, as as many of our listeners know, uh, we've we've gotten into uh, an annual routine of having a contest and and taking uh, fans to um, uh, the NHL entry draft. We were in Vancouver this past year, and and Joe was there, and lots of our team members were there, and. And uh, many of our, our listeners were there. Uh, but in, in that case, uh, we organized a giant draft party. And it was at uh, McLean's Pub on Peel Street, downtown Montreal. 
Um, and it was a very important draft because the Canadians uh, had the third pick overall coming off a terrible season. And it was, it was a crushing kind of season for the Canadians. Um, and, and I, there was a lot of, of excitement and a lot of hope and what was going to happen and who was it going to be. And uh, we were just a couple of blocks from the bell center where they were having their own uh, draft party and uh, people were coming in the door who had checked out that party and said, gee, there's only a, a couple dozen people there. But we heard about this party and McLean's was packed. It was packed. We had uh, set up reserved uh, 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 tables and, and those had filled and, and we had people all through upstairs. We had people filling uh, McLean's pub, uh, standing in line, waiting to come in. Um, we had uh, prizes. We had a, a uh, an all-day uh, broadcast, live broadcast going on. Uh, Brian Wild was there, and and his CTV crew was was doing some filming. Um, and when when the Canadians selected Alex Galchenyuk, um, it was it was it was just pandemonium in in there. Everybody was hugging each other. This was finally uh, the 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 center. The 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 franchise piece that uh, had been um, the, the Canadians had needed for so long. And um, it was, it was just, um, you know, it was, it was, uh, this, this was, this was the Canadians rebuilding. This was the Canadians um, opportunity. And, uh, and, and, and hope was never at, a, never again at, as, as high as it was, at that moment. And, and uh, you think about, I, I understand that, that, that management soured on Alex Galchenyuk and the coaching staff and, and fans. Um, but there was no question that it was a, it was a, a kind of a risky decision given that uh, Galchenyuk had played uh, so little uh, leading up to the draft, his injury and all. Um, but when you look back at that 2012 draft and, and you see Alex Galchenyuk, um, at um, 307 points, he's second um, only to Philip Forsberg uh, from those draft picks, um, and and 130 goals. Um, he was obviously the right choice, and uh, it just you know whether it was Galchenyuk himself, whether whether it was mismanagement in development, whatever it was, it doesn't matter. That was the moment that that Canadians fans kind of latched onto. And we're riding as as uh, their hope uh, to rebuilding the fine organization, and that's 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 the moment that uh, that I remember most uh, during the the past decade. Yeah, and I think there there was optimism there that that just hasn't really. There was a belief that the guy that was coming in to the Montreal Canadiens, Mark Bergevin, was was there to fix the problem that. That, that existed at that point in time, which is that they didn't have any center Iceman and he drafted Galchenyuk. And then it took about six years after that for them to go back and say, maybe we should do that again uh, with this very <laughs> But, but there was, you were right in pointing that out as being the moment because with Kotkaniemi, it was, it was more for the, for the meme about the two people that were surprised that they didn't pick Philip Zadina than anything else. It was kind of a more of a shocking pick. Whereas this one was, uh, even though he had played very little, in his draft year, there was excitement about Alex Galchenyuk uh, that, that surrounded him, and and that translated into his rookie year, into the first few years that he played for the Montreal Canadiens, and ultimately 
the 30 goal season that he had for them uh, before he was uh, ultimately traded uh, just a couple of years ago. But regardless, it's, it's been a great decade or, or well, a fun decade. And, at and the just, very to, least. just to wrap on that, the, the, um, you know, the Canadians picked early, uh, obviously, yeah. and we didn't know what was going to happen with, with our draft party. But there was so much excitement uh, that that uh, <laughs> the fans stayed uh, through the draft uh, and till, till closing. And and I should say we uh, just for a draft party, we had fans that came from all over Quebec just for the draft party. That came from the U.S. That came from Ontario. Habs fans. Um, there was really a a, a hunger uh, for that uh, for that hope. And uh, Galchenyuk, uh, the pick of Galchenyuk, delivered that. Uh, back early um, uh, this decade. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and as you mentioned, a fantastic article from, from our friend Caitlin. So go and check that out on allhabs.net as we look back on the decade that was for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, but we're going to take just a quick break. And when we come back, it is the most wonderful time of the year. And that means it's time to talk about the World Juniors. We're going to talk about the Montreal Canadiens prospects that that are playing there and some other ones that have caught our eye. So stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And uh, welcome back here to the Canadian Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. And we're about to talk about the World Juniors. And uh, I feel like there's no other place to start than Canada is now uh, trailing three to nothing in the first period. The first period, just about two minutes left in the, thir- in the uh, first period against Yikes. Russia, who have jumped out to a early lead, a very 
uh, this game looking like it might uh, get out of control in a little bit. Uh, Nico Dawes not had a, had a great start to this one, uh, and Canada just killed off a two-man advantage. But regardless, it's just kind of shown that this tournament is all over the place. <laughs> well, we were just talking in the break that, um, um, unfortunately, um, and we don't want to see it happen, but if Russia goes on to, to win against Canada – uh, this was called the, the division of death, and, and uh, every team uh, in that division will have a, a, an identical record, um, and all have three points, and which is which is uh, bizarre, actually. It, yeah, it's it's craziness, but uh, it's it's just kind of it's it, this is the 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 perfect example of what we've been seeing over the last couple of years, which is that it's just gotten steadily and steadily more competitive from teams that you wouldn't consider to be hockey powerhouses. Germany beat the Czech Republic. Czech Republic's already beaten Russia, who obviously now have something to prove in this game against Canada. And then you have last night, Germany competing with the United States, looking like they could have, they could have pulled off an upset there until uh, the Americans emerged victorious. Um, but I guess that's where we're going to, to land on this because obviously the guy that has fans are most excited about in this tournament. And I know that there's Alexander Romanov who, who looked like he's played uh, very well in the first period for Russia, but the guy that has got the most intrigue that surrounds him at this moment in time for Montreal Canadiens fans is Cole Caulfield. And he's not gotten off to a great start in this, in this tournament and through two games, the one thing that he does better than just about anybody else scoring goals, he hasn't been able to get on the score sheet and has been held pointless through those two games. So, I mean, is it time to worry about Cole Caulfield? I, I, I don't think uh, it's time to worry about him, nor nor is it time to put him up on a pedestal. I, I think yeah. that um, <laughs> these one or two game takes uh, that we see on, on, uh, Social media are, are quite fascinating in that in the um, preliminary game against Germany, uh, there was Cole Caulfield uh, with four goals um, and uh, a meaningless game and, and really meaningless as far as, as uh, the performance. But there were, I see all kinds of uh, people saying, okay, well, he's, he's obviously proven that he's a goal scorer. Um, at the NCAA level, he's obviously proven that he's a goal scorer at the international level. It's time to bring him up and, and stick him on the power play. And, and I, I was like, whoa, uh, just, just settle <laughs> down. And, and, and now after, um, uh, you know, two games uh, uh, with uh, Team USA, without him uh, scoring, there's been all kinds of uh, concern. And, 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 and not only concern, but my goodness, the excuses are just flowing, aren't they? Yeah. Um, there's been, it, it's, it's kind of reminded me a little bit of, of the overreaction um, uh, to PK Subban um, and, um, you know, blaming Babcock when, when Subban didn't get playing time um, at the Olympics and that sort of thing. There's a lot of, of uh, blame uh, headed in, in Scott Sandlin's uh uh, direction. Scott Sandlin is an excellent coach, and he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, but there's just lots of misinformation out there about uh, Cole Caulfield. Um, you know, I've seen every game, um, some some live and 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 uh, uh, this season uh, with Wisconsin, and and he's kind of playing like he plays 
at Wisconsin and he'll score a couple and, and then he'll go through a couple of games without them. Um, but I think you're, you're seeing, uh, you know, there's been people complaining, Oh, he didn't, he's, he's not getting top six minutes. Um, that's silly. It's, it's absolutely silly. He's, uh, he's played on the second line in, in, in both games. Um, and, um, you know, they're complaining about his line mates. Uh, Jack Drury is, there's, he's a very good center. Uh, John Beecher, who is a Bruins prospect, um, and, and is a tough customer, um, uh, will, will, uh, do the board work and get the puck out and, and uh, a lot of people saying, oh, well, you know, he doesn't have the line mates. Listen, it's the world juniors. <laughs> it's the world <laughs> juniors. You're, you're going to have good line mates wherever you, um, for Canada, for Canada, you have Raphael Lavoie on the fourth line. I mean, you're going to have uh, 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 good line mates and, um, uh, you know, some complaining, oh, he's not with uh, Alex Turcotte. Uh, uh, who he's played with in Wisconsin. Well, uh, don't blame uh, Scott Sandlin. Maybe, maybe ask Tony Granato about that because uh, I saw that, that uh, somebody tweeted, um, oh, he's, he's finally had a shift with Alex Turcotte. It's not like he, he hasn't played every single minute of play in Wisconsin with him in the chemistry. That's absolutely false. That's, that's obviously somebody who hasn't seen uh, Wisconsin games because Caulfield and uh, and Turcotte were broken up about mid-November, I guess. And uh, Caulfield's been mostly with Dylan Holloway since then, uh, but has had had different line mates. And and I, I just I, I I you know all of these these excuses. Um, yes, he's been turning over the puck. Does that make him a terrible player? No, of course it doesn't. Um, I guess what I'd like to see, and 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 the comment that that amused me the most, was um, saying, you know, um, putting putting themselves in Caulfield's voice and saying, "Listen, I've been standing here waiting to get the puck. Where is it?" And blaming the linemates for that. Well, that's that's not how hockey's played. That's not. And I know that that Caulfield likes to 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 set up and set up for the one timer. But he's got to be more. He's got to show more um, um, uh, uh, that he wants to create opportunities and that he wants to retrieve the puck and that he wants to and that he needs to play better without the puck. Um, there's 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 nothing wrong with the way that Scott Sandlin's coaching. Caulfield got a few seconds off, 18 minutes of play in the first game against Canada. Uh, a little less, um, and and that was when uh, in in the third period his time was cut a bit when when the U.S. was protecting a lead last game, and so that's, I mean, we, I I think even his most ardent cheerleaders can say he's not going to be uh, one of the better defensive players on the ice. So that's certainly understandable. Um, all kinds of oh, I I saw somebody complaining that that uh, oh he's he's getting used to international ice. So, um, but if anything, that should give him more, uh, open, open ice. Yeah, open and, and it shows that again, it shows people haven't been watching Wisconsin because, uh, the Cole center, uh, the home ice, uh, for the Badgers is pretty close to international ice NHL ice, as we know, 20 by 85 wide, uh, international ice to, uh, sorry, did I say 20, 200 by 85 yeah, wide, 200 by 85, um, yeah. 
International is 200 by 100. That's that's easy. The Kohl Center, uh, where Wisconsin plays their home games, is is a bit of an anomaly. The NCAA, it's 200 by 97, so just three feet off the international uh, ice surface. And Cole Caulfield has taken advantage of that. Um, I think the other thing, uh, and I'll just wrap it up here, um, is um, when you watch him in Wisconsin, about half of his points, half of his goals come on the power play. And uh, he's certainly getting um, power play time. Is, is he on the first uh, wave? No, uh, but he's certainly on the second wave. Um, and has some um, the second wave being of the of the power play typically has been uh, Caulfield, Drury, uh, Kaliev, who's looked uh, he's a sniper as well. Turcott yeah. is is manning one point, um, and uh, and Cam York out there as well. So um, I, again, uh, some of the stuff is 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 just silliness. And uh, uh, be patient. Don't rush him. Yeah. Don't put him on a pedestal. Uh, but don't bury him either. Yeah, and this is a perfect time to remind people that this is something that happens at the World Juniors when you have guys like Cole Caulfield, who, yes, he does one thing. He he scores goals at a great and an amazing rate. He is very good at scoring goals, and there's nobody that can dispute that. He does. He's he's a potent goal scorer. But when you play on these in these best on best tournaments, and especially when this tournament is just so short. The coach is going to give opportunities to guys that can do more than just that one thing. And and listen, I think that you have guys on this team like Shane Pinto, like Bobby Brink, like Oliver Wallstrom, who do so many more do more things at a higher level than Cole Caulfield does. And those are the guys that are going to be given more opportunities. That's just the reality of uh, of a tournament such as this one. But you know what? And and Scott Sandlin, as you said, has been taking a lot of heat. And you know I. In a, in a way, this has reminded me of, of an exa- a couple of years ago, and this is not a player that is expected to be on the same trajectory. Cole Caulfield not expected to be uh, this kind of, uh, you know, the, the player that I'm going to mention. I know some Habs fans, when I say it, are going to say, well, Cole Caulfield's better than him, but just hear me out on this. Tyler Steenbergen, two years ago, in his last 99 WHL games before the World Juniors, he had 86 goals. He's a potent goal scorer. He knew where to go on the ice, and he knew where to find goals. Cole Caulfield is kind of in that same category as being something of a, of a pinch hitter that, yes, you can go to him, and he will find you a goal every now and then, and maybe it'll be the biggest goal of the tournament. But Tyler Steenbergen didn't play a lot in that tournament because he doesn't provide. He didn't provide what J, uh, Drake Batherson provided. He didn't provide what Dylan Dubé provided. It was just... There are guys in, in you know, it, it, it is what it is. It's a best-on-best best tournament. As you said, there is a lot of guys. There are a lot of guys who can provide things that, that Cole Caulfield just can't right now. And maybe he won't ever be able to provide those things, given the obvious limitations of being a five foot seven player. I don't think it's going to be fair to expect him to be Joel Armia going out and digging loose pucks in the corner and just fending off guys with one arm. That's not what he's going to be able to do. So maybe it, it start, you need to start to understand that Cole Caulfield is amazing. He can, he can do things. He can find those quiet areas, those soft areas, and bury goals. But he's going to need to round out his game before there's any sort of conversation about him joining the Montreal Canadiens. That's, that's just – this has been a nice chance for us to kind of see that in a best-on-best best format. 
Um, but but speaking of other, moving on, Alex Romanoff, Alexander Romanoff playing aggressively, playing with a, some physicality and showing off his his mobility as well. And man, those are three traits that have to excite Habs fans. You have Jordan Harris picking up a goal uh, for USA, and uh, he didn't pick up any style points with the celebration, but. I mean, the, you ask him if he has to score a goal, but he's going to fall immediately after in the celebration. I think he takes that deal 10 out of 10 times. And then Matthias Norlander, who admittedly has had a bit of a rough time, I mean, uh, at least in finding minutes uh, behind a kind of a loaded Sweden defensive core with Rasmus Sandin, Victor Soderstrom, and Philip Broberg. But, I mean, it's it seems like the Canadians have got three really nice defensemen in, in those guys. And uh, Norlander uh, basking in uh, uh, the glow of a new contract that he signed yes. uh, on Tuesday. Um, uh, that that uh, that has to feel uh, very nice. Um, but there are so many. Uh, that, you know, I, I understand that that uh, the focus is is on Canadians' prospects, and and as it should be. Uh, but rather than than uh, gripe about <laughs> about the way the coaching staff is using Cole Caulfield, sit back and, and enjoy some of the other uh, wonderful prospects. As you said, this is best on best. So there's tons of talent out there uh, for, for Canada, for the U S and, and for some of the, um, uh, you know, what you describe as maybe the, the second tier teams uh, yeah. uh, are, are, have some talent as well. Yes. And, and I, I would just like to, to start talking is like as I covered the Belleville Senators a couple of years ago for the AHL report, and and I saw, you know, some pieces that have really come together. And and Thomas Shabbat spent a little bit of time in Belleville that year, and obviously now playing most nights over half an hour for DJ Smith and the Ottawa Senators. But then they have Brady Kachuk there as well. They have Colin White, and now you add in the fact that you have Shane Pinto, who's looked fantastic for USA, picking up some big points. Uh, Lasse Thompson being the captain of Finland. I mean. This is this is a team, and I know that Montreal thinks that they have next in the Atlantic Division, and they're going to be the team that, that's on this ascendancy. Man, the Ottawa Senators, I know what Craig Button said and, and over the summer about Montreal having the best prospect pool in Canada, but I think the Ottawa Senators are right there with them because I just, I just think that you look at those pieces. They've had Nick Paul, who's kind of emerged a little bit this year, shown something that he hasn't in previous years. Um, and, and obviously, I mean, uh, you have Jacob Bernard Docker playing for team Canada too. Like they have a lot of players at this tournament that project to be really uh, solid NHL players in a couple of years. So you add that to what's already there. And I think the Ottawa senators, as much as people might want them to remain the, the punching bag in the Atlantic division and make jokes about where they are and, and the, the owner and all that stuff, whatever, Whatever's going on off the ice, they can't control that. But the Ottawa Senators have done a really nice job, and Troy Mann in Belleville has done a really nice job of developing the prospects that they've drafted, and and drafting has been a a strength of this organization as well. So I I commend them for that. And the other one that I want to talk about, and we've talked about Tampa Bay a lot on this podcast because people, again, love to make jokes about the fact that they they were taken out by by Columbus in the playoffs and what an upset. And it was, it was embarrassing. The Tampa Bay lightning are locked and loaded to compete for a very, very long time because they are not going to have to pay premium for their secondary scores and secondary pieces because they can plug and play for as long as they want, because they have guys like Nolan foot, 
when when he's ready to go and he scored a beautiful goal against Spencer Knight and Team USA the other um, Boxing Day. When he's ready to go, they can trade a guy that is making money and they can use the years of the entry-level deal and and times when he's going to be not making a whole lot of money and use him as a value piece. They have got so many guys, so, so many guys that they can just plug and play for years and years because they are doing drafting and and developing better than just about anybody in the NHL. And, and honestly, they're playing, they're playing chess while everyone's playing checkers because they have just stockpiled these great players, these great-looking prospects for years and years. And, and it's really, honestly, it's, it's going to be difficult to, to beat a team like Tampa Bay long-term who've just got a seemingly endless supply of prospects in addition to the core that they already have. So uh, those are two guys that I've been really intrigued by and, and two – uh, prospects for division teams against the Montreal Canadiens, but w- what about you? Who have you? Who's caught your eye? Well, it's some of the the, the lesser known um, uh, and and like I say, uh, secondary t- uh, uh, tier teams. You look at Germany, um, who oh, man. Uh, you know kind of uh, in the past have come in and 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 played a trap game and and kind of held on, you know for dear life uh, to try to compete not this year they've got uh oh i'd say five guys who could easily fit on into any of the the higher tier uh teams um and and not look out of place and and uh dominic bach i remember uh being at the 2018 draft and and uh prior to the draft i said to sam costantino um who do you like who's going to be the surprise who's going to be the guy that that everybody, um, you know, is kind of, oh, who's that guy? Uh, and he said, watch, Dominic Bach. And he was hoping at the time that the, or, or suggesting at the time that the, uh, the Leafs were going to uh, take him uh, late in the first round. And, and it was the Leafs who traded the pick for, to St. Louis. And it was St. Louis that picked up Dominic Bach. And he's having a, a great tournament um, yeah. for Germany. Uh, Maurice Sider, uh, we remember... Um, this past draft in, in uh, Vancouver and, and we had some delightful Red Wings fans with us <laughs> and uh, they were shocked. They were shocked that it was Maurice Sider and, and then they be, have become the biggest Maurice Sider uh, fans uh, when they, they learn more about him. He's been very good in, in this tournament. Um, you and I talked about a, a Flyers prospect um, who, who was bypassed <laughs> in his draft year uh, and was signed as a free agent. That's Igor Zamula and, and for Russia. And he's been uh, very good, kind of a, an unknown guy. Um, and the Flyers, who have, have drafted well, um, have all, all, <laughs> very well, uh, they have another uh, defensive prospect that uh, they, they uncovered uh, beyond the draft. Um, the guys who, who have really impressed me on the, the – uh, Maybe the upper tier team are um, uh, Trevor Zegras. Uh, Trevor Zegras has been excellent for the, the U.S. He's having a heck of a tournament. Uh, and talking about, uh, you know, where you are on the lines, he, he's uh, started out in the fourth line um, uh, uh, both games, uh, but uh, moved his way up. He's, he's having a terrific tournament. Uh, of course, he was... Uh, uh, the ninth uh, overall pick by the by the Ducks um, at, in Vancouver, um, and maybe uh, a name that 
that isn't well known. Uh, Barrett Hayden for Hayden Hayden for Canada, and and we were we were talking about him uh, last week, I guess, um, as as yeah. one of the one of the well, their uh, their blue chip picks that is Arizona that they protected and and uh, it did a great job protecting in that trade for Taylor Hall. Uh, they weren't going to let Barrett Hayton go, and uh, we see exactly why. Uh, he's been dynamite on that second line uh, for uh, Canada, um, and uh, and maybe that's that also opens up some uh, draft eligible players. The conversation to draft eligible players with Barrett Hayton on the second line has been Quinton Byfield. Uh, my goodness, um, oh, this man. is a two hundred foot player that does everything that his skating his ability to take over shifts uh his puck skills uh, to execute at speed um he's unbelievable and and uh and we saw in the game against the americans another uh draft eligible player alexi lafreniere we saw how impactful he can be um uh, Dylan Holloway, another um, uh, draft eligible player, uh, another a player who's playing in Wisconsin. Um, he, he, he's been um, very good as well. So um, this, this is a, this is a great tournament and, uh, um, and, and enjoy it and, and, and look for the, the, uh, the, the players who are, are performing that uh, you don't necessarily know uh, much about. Yeah, and it's always such an exciting tournament. So just yeah, enjoy it. Watch all these young players play for their countries. They always have so much pride, and it's just it's just a really fun time of year. So uh, definitely enjoy enjoy watching the tournament. But uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we've already discussed our favorite moments of the decade. What about yours? Uh, the question of the week thrown out on Twitter and Facebook. What was the most memorable Habs moment of the decade? So we're going to be getting to some replies after a quick break. Stay with us here on the Rocket on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. 
Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JoeWayla19. You can follow Rick at All Habs, and you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, so, Rick, we threw out the question of the week earlier today. Um, what was the most memorable moment, uh, Habs moment of the decade? And we have gotten, you know, uh, some some really interesting replies, as I as I imagined that we would, given the uh, the, the conversation that we had earlier this show. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really, you know, when you talk about the 2014 season, I know that that is the one that kind of kickstarted all of this conversation. And I think that's the one where you really see it. I know Matt Smith tweeted in the 2014, 15 season for Carey Price was, was, you know, obviously I think it should be considered as one of the best seasons that a goaltender has had for the Montreal Canadiens, and obviously, I think that is a moment that that really um, that really took Canadians fans and, and really captured their imaginations of what this team could accomplish. So, just opening up Twitter, I've had some uh, di- uh, difficulties on my phone, but I'm opening up on my laptop just to get to some answers. But uh, Chris G says lots of memorable moments to choose from here, and uh, you know, he says the conference final run, uh, Price cleaning up all the awards ovation that he received when he became the leader and wins. Uh, and then you have uh, Blaine saying the 2014 playoff run and the Crider hit on price in the conference finals. And I think that that that's a moment that every, every Habs fan remembers where they were <laughs> and, and probably remembers exactly what they said, which I will not repeat on this because it's a family show after Chris Crider <laughs> <laughs> slid into Carey price. Uh, and Freddie, Freddie Mills says exactly the same number one, Kreider running into Price in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, yeah, the the change in overall buzz at the Bell Center and around the city is something that he won't forget. He was in the building when that happened. And number two was Halak's performance in 2010. And that's what I said, too. You could probably choose, you know, that, that team in 2010, taking out the Washington Capitals, taking out the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, 2014 was the year that really, uh, that I really enjoyed. But man, 2010, and that, all of that was just phenomenal. It was amazing. But, uh, yeah, that's what Twitter is saying after I had some uh, difficulty in getting it up and running. But what about Facebook, Rick? Well, it's interesting that, that the, the Chris Kreider thing keeps coming back. Um, and, and, you know, if the Canadians had listened, had listened to me and had listened yeah. to Trevor Timmons, <laughs> Um, uh, Chris Kreider would have been a Montreal Canadian and, and, uh, rather than Louis LeBlanc in 2009. And, and, uh, uh, that, that would have been, maybe we would have been talking about, um, uh, a cup during the, the past decade. Um, <laughs> who knows, but, um, uh, and, and let's, let's hope it's been t- uh, 10 years since, um, since that 20, uh, 
2009 draft and in Montreal it was you know they they did the thing well let's let's impress the fans and pick the local fans and and uh, pick Louis LeBlanc even though um you know Timmins was was uh pushing for for Kreider um let's hope that because the draft is in Montreal for 2020 that uh they don't pull something similar and, and take the best player available, or at least the one that uh, uh, their head amateur uh, scout uh, wants, because um, that uh, that was a bit of a disaster in 2009. Looking at Facebook, though, and if you want to join us, uh, look for All Habs, all one word, on Facebook. Uh, it's uh, it's an enormous uh, a fan page on uh, Facebook, and we're we're always happy to to uh, reply to your, your comments, and we get lots of them. Um, Jason Corville talks about uh, the Canadians uh, uh, dispatching the Caps and the Pens in, in 2010, and uh, let's not forget Kirk Muller's role in that uh, and, uh, and redesigning the system that allowed that to happen, uh, to play very defensive and, and to make sure that their offense came from the, the power play, which unfortunately dried up against the flyers um anyways jason said he got so so excited that particular spring and um many of the 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 rest of the the comments come from trina um are similar to the one from trina allison pie who talks about uh uh, saku uh, koivu and obviously a deep love there for saku and and what he meant on and off the ice uh to montreal and and the fan base, uh, the Canadians fan base, uh, uh, just adored. Um, so if you want to participate either on Twitter or on, on, uh, Facebook, uh, please leave your comments for us. Or if you're feeling in the texting mood, um, and you're listening on demand, you can text us 24 hours a day. Our text rocket sports text line is five, eight, five, three rocket. That's five, eight, five, three rocket. Or, send us an email and we've got, uh, I guess with people having some time off during the holidays, uh, our email box was overflowing. Um, <laughs> and that's at, uh, info at allhabs.net info at allhabs.net. If you want to send, uh, an email and if you have some time, uh, Joe, I, um, I, I can read an, uh, maybe one of these emails. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this one from our friend uh, Le Petit Bill, that's Dino, uh, in Ottawa. Uh, he says, uh, Merry Christmas, Joy and Noel. Um, to Rick, Joe, Amy, and your associates, thank you for all you do uh, for the Montreal Canadiens teams and for us fans all year long. Happy holidays for you and your loved ones and your friends and your family, too. And now he switches to French, and I'll do kind of a, a rough translation. He says, Happy New Year for you. And happy to New Year to our team, the Canadians. P.S. Uh, and you, you know, I think you'll like this part, Joe. He said, <laughs> when you next speak with uh, Mr. Brian Rogers, and uh, I do have occasion to do that. Um, and for those who don't know who Brian Rogers is, uh, Dino says he was the play-by-play broadcaster for the St. John's Ice Caps. Please say hello from me um and as we know uh what a gentleman what a great play play play-by-play guy he's doing color now for the newfoundland growlers and uh i i like that uh that he's not forgotten 
uh, by Canadians fans because he did a great job um, with the ice caps being uh, in St. John's. Oh, absolutely. Lots of uh, leather lobsters and cowhide crabs, all of those things. Got to love a a game (laughs) called by uh, Brian Rogers. Just does a phenomenal job. And yes, as you mentioned, uh, got to witness the Newfoundland Growlers uh, win last year, which was, was, was fantastic. You could tell that it meant so much to him. Um, But yeah. Uh, so with all that said, I guess we'll uh, wrap this thing up for another week here on the uh, Canadians Connection. But, uh, I mean, obviously tonight you have, and even this afternoon in about 45 minutes or so, at 3 p.m. Eastern, you have the Laval Rocket, Caden Primo, going to be uh, starting today after the uh, the rough start for Keith Kincaid last night. Um, yeah, so they're going to be playing against the Toronto Marlies again. And uh, you know, the Montreal Canadiens going to be continuing on the road see if they can keep being those road warriors this year as they face the Tampa Bay Lightning and what's going to be a difficult back-to-back against the two Florida teams before they conclude their road trip against the Carolina Hurricanes. Again, a difficult test. It's, it's not going to be easy for the Montreal Canadiens, but they seem to uh, take this kind of thing in stride. So uh, it should be a fun night, lots of coverage uh, here at uh, the All Habs team, the AHL Report. So uh, follow along on Twitter. And uh, Carey Price will get the start at the Amelie Arena. Yeah. And uh, the, the big change, I guess, is the return of, of uh, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, as we talked about earlier. He's going to be centering the line, centering uh, Wheel and Cousins, which, which bumps uh, Nick Suzuki up to the second line uh, on the right side of, of Max Domi and uh, Lekkonen, Arturi Lekkonen. Uh Those will be the big uh, changes for uh, tonight. We'll see how that works out. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch tonight, and uh, obviously want to send everyone a uh, wish you all a happy new year. As we come back next week, it'll be uh, 2020. We'll flip that calendar over, and it'll be the end of the decade, as we, we've been talking about on this show. So I wish everyone a happy new year. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll be back with you next week at 1 p.m. Eastern. That is 2.30 Newfoundland time. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection here on Rocket Sports Radio. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.